today, this morning, picture a different type of a ceremony. Uh, maybe a spring, perhaps May morning on a Saturday, a young couple, we'll just call them Ben and Sally, they are standing in a room like this before a pastor. And they promise to be faithful to one another, true to one another in sickness and in health, in wealth or in poverty, uh, until death separates them. And they make those promises. And years go by, five years go by, Ben comes home and he says, uh, it's over. I'm leaving. We can't do this anymore. I just, I just don't feel close to you. You, you no longer have my, my heart. And he, he walks away from his wife and from his family. And Sally's left standing there. What about the promises that we made? What about our kids? What about the future that we dreamed of together? You can imagine that feeling. I hope to God you've never had to go through that yourself. But there, in a sense, there are times in our walk with the Lord where we can feel that way. Where we have a sense that God has promised us good things. And he has. And we walk with the Lord and we are hopeful in the Lord and we, we remember God's promises and we, you know, maybe you wrote it down or you, you understood God's promise and you, you named his promise and you claimed his promise for yourself and you feel like Sally standing there whose husband walked out on her and you say, Lord, what, what happened? And that, that might be you this morning. You might be sitting here feeling... God, where are you? What happened to your good, all the good things that you promised those who put their hope in you? But God does not abandon his people. God's promises are good. And if we can have patience, then we'll be able to see his faithfulness. And so this morning we're considering the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of patience this morning. And this passage comes to us from Hebrews chapter 6. I want to consider three things. First is the necessity of patience. Secondly, the source of our patience. And lastly, the result of patience in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, it is good to be together. And it is good to celebrate. And it's good to just enjoy many people using their gifts in praise and worship to you. We pray, Lord, that you are glorified in this. That you would be our focus that you would be our hope and our peace and, Lord, indeed, our patience this morning. We thank you that you are our teacher, that your spirit is active and alive and within us and giving us life and strength and knowledge of you and continued knowledge of you, Lord. So we just give this time as we, uh, as we consider your word. We give it to you. It's yours anyway, Lord. We just submit ourselves to you. And pray you do your good work in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as a pastor and a preacher, I like camping out in one book of the Bible for a while, as we did this uh, winter through Philippians, and gives us a chance to really dig deep and to, to go over and, and really just spend a lot of time meditating on God's Word. I also enjoy jumping around a little bit for two reasons. One is that it just comes very fresh to us when we just open God's word, and there's, uh, there it is, God communicating with us through his word. 
And it also shows the unity of Scripture. As we look anywhere in Scripture, we see a one God who loves his, his world that he's created, sees it broken by sin, and is, uh, has sought to provide all that we need to be saved and rescued, to know him, to be part of his saving work, to be part of his kingdom, that he will be our God and we will be his people. And wherever we open in Scripture, we see that. And today we are opening to the letter to the Hebrews. This is a great letter. It, it just begins by describing who is Jesus. And, and basically that Jesus is greater than anything. And Jesus is greater than all that came before. Greater than Moses, certainly. Greater than the angels. Greater than the greatest high priest. And Jesus is superior to all the Old Testament sacrifices. And it just, it's just a great picture of Jesus. And the letter shows us how we must hold on firmly to our faith. We have to hold firmly to the end so that we do not grow weary and so that we do not lose heart. So in this section of the letter, it's, it's a warning against falling away. And key to that is patience. Key to not falling away is patience. So the necessity of patience, why is patience necessary? Look at verse 10. Let me just reread this here. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Patience is necessary so that our hope might be fully realized. And what we have entrusted to God takes patience in our lives to, to live it out and to, and to see it. And, and I, I'm sure you all have stories of times when you, in life, where you just, if you had been a little bit more patient, if you had waited a little longer at that baseball game when you left early and you're ashamed to tell people that you missed the big thing because you were trying to somehow beat traffic, you, you, you know, you're shopping and you're price shopping, you get the best deal, and then a week later it goes on sale even more. Um, those of you who, in the, you know, who deal in stocks and market volatility, you know, if I had just waited, there, there's these moments, and in our faith, here's what happens. We come to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is good news. It's the greatest news that Jesus Christ came, and he lived a life, a perfect life that you could never live. And he died a death that we deserve to die on the cross in our place. That we can receive forgiveness and new life. And when we realize that Jesus died and rose again for us, it, it transforms us. It gives us new life. And it moves us to action. It moves us towards love and to good deeds. When you see that God has done everything in love for me, then I can do everything in love, costly love, for the world around me. And, and this teaching here is commending the love in verse 10, the love that you have shown God as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That the love of God has spurred on a love. But, so our faith leads us to action. Our love for God leads us to love others. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And James writes in his letter um, that our faith, is, it, it leads to action. Faith without that action isn't real faith. It's dead. And so we, but we need patience to continue in that because what happens is over time, if we don't have patience, we can easily fall into a notion of, okay, 
you know, God loved me so I can love other people. And you're out loving people and you're serving and you grow weary somehow and feel like maybe God, I've been doing so much for God, doesn't he owe me more? You know, God, you know, haven't I done enough for you? You know, I'm losing patience. I, I'm, I feel like you did your part at the beginning and now it's my part and now you're supposed to come back. But we forget that God has given us everything up front. We grow impatient, we throw in the towel, we, but we need, we need God's spirit to remind us and to renew us, to build in us a waiting and a patience as we wait on the Lord. And God won't forget what you're doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And here, you know, God's not unjust. He won't forget your work and your love, but we need to have patience. So that all that we hope for as we walk with the Lord, as we are faithful to his calling on our lives, will be fully realized. Patience in this sense is, is about uh, perseverance. It's much like perseverance. It's much like diligence. It's, it's, not, well, it's not the opposite of what we would commonly think of as impatience. Patience in, in this sense is more linked to faith, as in verse 12. Faith and patience. Holding firm to the end, persevering. The opposite of patience in this sense is about weariness. It's about losing heart. It's about falling away. It can lead to spiritual laziness, uh, defeat, giving up hope. So here, just before we go any further, one thing to remind ourselves, if you are in a place where you feel cold towards God, you feel like somehow God is distant and somehow God is, is not fulfilling his goodness and his love and his promises to us, to keep serving, to keep loving people, to not give up. You could just stop and throw in the towel, but you may never get to see the end of what God is doing in and through you, even though you may not feel it, even though it may not be warm to you, it may feel very cold, but God is at work and his promises are good. So we continue on, we press on, and we just pray that God would give us the patience to get through those seasons. That's the necessity of patience. But what's the source of our patience? Second thing. The source of our patience is God's faithfulness. God doesn't fail to follow through. God's promises are good. And here the example is the example of God's faithfulness to a man named Abraham. Verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. When God makes a promise, there's a gap of time between when God makes his promise and when that promise is fulfilled. That's the nature of a promise. If I give you, if I give you $5 and say, I promise to give you the $5, I already gave it to you. There's no promise there. But if I don't have it yet, or I'm not going to give it to you yet, I promise you $5, and it's good, and I will get it to you when the time is right. I owe you 5 It might take me a week to get that to you. Get <laughs> an ATM machine. I gotta get. We gotta find you. We gotta make change. How long did it take? That could take me a week. How long did it take Abraham? He was promised that he would have descendants, and his descendants would be a nation and bless the world. Twenty-five years before his child was born. But he saw it, and he and, and he trusted the Lord, and it was credited to him as as righteousness. I mean, this is his faithfulness. 
Um, you'll notice here in Hebrews, though, it's leaving out part of the story, the part of the story where Abraham grew impatient and didn't think God was quite fulfilling his promise, and he decided to make his descendants through a woman who was not his wife, his servant, his, his son Ishmael was born. It caused great strife in their family. It made things a lot harder. But the point here is not how, is not how well Abraham did that whole time. The point here is that how well God did. That God was faithful to God's promise. It was never about how faithful Abraham was. God's promises are good. They are certain. Uh, it reminds us of the verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God is bound by his own word and supreme over all things. Even if we are faithless, God is still faithful to us. And Abraham was faithful, and that, that led to good action. God was test even after his son was born, Genesis 22. God tested Abraham. And if you're familiar with the story of, of Abraham and Isaac, when God called him to, uh, to be willing to sacrifice his son. And that's where, it was actually after that moment where God took that promise and he turned it into an oath in his own name that he would fulfill the promise. God binds himself by oath. Verse 16, God does not have to do this. Verse, look at verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. There's two things. God made a promise, and then God confirms it with an oath. Not because God has to, but it's for our benefit, so that as we cling to that, that the sure and certain hope, that we know God's promises are always fulfilled. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Everything that God promises is yes, and we say amen. So my question is, as we become discouraged, what is it that God has promised you that he has not delivered on? Really. And when we answer that, sometimes it's not really something God has promised us. It's... I mean, really? Jesus promised whoever believes in, in, in God's one and only Son will have eternal life. We are promised that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. We are promised that He will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus said, I am with you to the very end of the age. Where has God fallen short on that? Often when we think that God isn't keeping His promise, it's more about just disappointment. Not something that God has promised us, but something we're just kind of hoping for. It's a big difference between, you know, hey, I hope to keep this sermon on time today because there's a lot going on. And I vow to you that I will finish in, you know, 22 minutes. You know, there's a difference between I actually promise it to you and we all just kind of hope that it happens. And I get it, right? There's some, pretty, there's some pretty astounding claims in the Bible where Jesus said, you know, ask anything in my name and you will receive it. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. 
James says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And you say, well, I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm praying in faith I'm, for, for healing. I, th- these things aren't coming. So it's, I, it's, it's hard. I get it. Now, I don't think this isn't, these are unbounded promises. And as we look at what is being claimed in context, Jesus, you know, what you pray in my name, how we connect ourselves to his will being done, and the prayers of faith, all, all these things, you know, these, they're difficult. I'm not going to give, I don't have an easy answer for you. The answer I do have is, though, that God is good, that God does not give bad gifts to his children. You're not going to ask him, you know, for something good and him to give you something that will, that will eternally harm you and destroy you. God is good, and he's been faithful. And the importance here is to remember other people who have been through it. See, look, remember Abraham. Remember all those in the past who were made promises and God fulfilled it. And God promises by oath, and he fulfills it. All throughout scripture, but people in our own lives who have been through the trials and the tribulations of life, and God has been faithful to them through that, even though the outcome may not have been what they had been originally praying for, but God was doing something else. One commentator said this. He said, the Christian is not treading on an untrodden pathway. We walk where others have walked. We experience God as others experience God. And God uses the testimony of others throughout time and in our own lives to help us grow in patience. That is the source of our patience is God's faithfulness over and over again. God is trustworthy. So that's the source of our patience. What is the result then of patience? Or you could even ask, why does God make us wait in the first place? Two things. One, is that he's producing something in us as we wait. We face the storms of life, we see the waves, we see the storm, and we say, God, please change the weather, and God says, no, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you through the trial. I'm going to, for this yet-to-be-fulfilled promise, I'm going to work in you and in your heart. And it's sometimes in the waiting, it's in that gap of time between we feel like God has promised me something and it hasn't, yet come that God is doing his best work. Sorry. Seven years ago, getting ready to to go on sabbatical, so it's every seven years the church grants me time to to go away, and I'm preparing again to to do that, and I'm very grateful for that. Seven years ago, Um, Pastor Jack at the time, he said, hey, I'd love you to consider God's calling on your life if God's calling you to be the pastor of this church. And I went on that uh, break of time, and um, I, I felt God's invitation to this. I said yes, and it was confirmed in a number of ways uh, through that season, and just uh, that God confirmed that. If I knew seven years ago, what I would experience and the, the trials and the challenges, I would have said no. Yet God has been faithful to me. He's been faithful to this church Amen. to equip me through the difficulties, the losses, the challenges. God's not mean to me. He's, he cares deeply about me and he cares deeply about us. 
God is teaching me patience. He continues to teach me patience every day. We've had to wait. We love you too. I love you too. <laughs> oh, it's good. I wouldn't trade it for anything, not in the world. The beauty that we see, the spiritual growth, the lives that are changed, the people being baptized, victory over sin. We wait patiently, and God is unfolding these good purposes right before our eyes, and we get to be a part of it. We, sinners, but saved by grace and called to his purposes. I would not trade that for the world, and I hope you wouldn't either. Jesus is the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith, as it says later in this letter. He's perfecting our faith. He's preparing us for heaven. He's preparing us for all of eternity. But to perfect our faith, he needs us to be patient. You don't perfect a skill overnight. Fernando didn't just sit behind a piano and then start playing beautiful music. I don't think. Please tell me you didn't do that. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. He said once, he said, JP, if I, if I broke my hands, would you still love me? And I thought, yeah, yes, but you could probably smash your face against the keyboard and music would come out. But. If the God of the universe is going to um, build our faith and that we're going to rule and reign with him, in the new heavens and the new earth, that is a faith that is going to require patient, perfect patience. In verse, look at the end of verse 18. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Prophet Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will uh, mount up with wings as, e as, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is, God is producing something in us as we wait. The second thing is that God is producing, he's preparing something for us as we wait. So he's producing something in us, but he's preparing something for us. And it's like that, um, you know, the sound of a baby. I was outside with my neighbors the other day because it was nice out. We're kind of re-meeting our neighbors after a long winter. And uh, this one couple, I was introducing them to my next door neighbors. They have a baby who's about this old. And um, the baby was here, and the baby's all smiles, and all of a sudden the baby started to, ah, ah. And we were, were all parents standing there, and we knew what was about to happen. That baby's going to melt down and needs to eat. And if you've ever had a baby, like, as a dad, I always had to use a bottle, and I couldn't, you know. So I, I'm heating this thing up, and the baby's just freaking out, crying. No, it's coming. I have something really good for you, but I can't just microwave it because it'll be too hot. And mom says I can't do that. And I got to put it in the water bath. And I get it's coming. It's coming. It's crying and crying. I'm preparing something for you. It's going to take time. You know, if there's a meal that somebody's preparing for you and it takes them two minutes, it may not be the best meal. But you wait and you smell and you become hungry and there's this desire to have it, but just wait. It's not ready yet. And God is doing something, and as Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do more than we could ever ask or even imagine. That's what God is preparing for us. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. He's preparing something for us in this world and in the world to come. He, there is preparation, and we are, our hearts are becoming ready for that. So that's, that's the result of patience. 
what he's doing in us and what he's preparing for us. Our patience comes not from ourselves. It comes from the fact that God's promises are good and it, he confirms it by oath, which he doesn't have to do, but he binds himself to us by covenant oath so that we, as it says, verse 18, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm, and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He, Jesus went there on our behalf. He went to God's presence. He, uh, he made the perfect sacrifice, his own body and blood, in our place on the cross. Our salvation is secure. He entered there on our behalf so that we can boldly approach God as children who he loves. Nothing can snatch us out of his hand. Nothing can separate us from his love. God's promises.